we all know today's 4th of July, right? Yep. And on this day, 245 years ago, uh, 56 representatives signed the Declaration of Independence. And this document declared that the United States was free from the rule of Great Britain. Of course, we had to fight for that declaration, and it didn't, we didn't actually secure it until 1783, seven years later. Um, and before I get to the sermon, uh, which we're going to talk about freedom this morning, uh, I just want to make a few comments here. Uh, you know, there are many different feelings in society right now about celebrating the 4th of July. Uh, many folks didn't actually get to experience freedom until many years uh, later. And let me just say this. Without the 4th of July, none of our freedoms were or are possible. Okay? Uh, it wasn't until 1791 that the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, the freedom of press, the freedom to peaceably assemble and to petition the government was actually signed into law. It wasn't until, until 1865 that the freedom of slavery was signed into law. Um, and of course, we know just because something is signed into law doesn't mean that everybody experiences it and starts living that way immediately the next day, right? It takes time for things to catch up. And so, Fourth of July is a celebration of freedom, even while we fight for it. So, um, our U.S. Declaration of Independence uh, is not the first document or first nation uh, to talk about freedom. In fact, in our series of Becoming Our Calling, uh, as we look at that, the idea of freedom begins to surface. And so, uh, I try to not be a person who just preaches holidays, uh, but this certainly dovetails and fits right into where we're going, or what we've been talking through as a church. So, when we look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus is speaking, and he quotes Isaiah 61. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed Free, And so Jesus is saying that he is claiming Isaiah 61 as his. He says, this is why I was sent to do these things. And then Paul confirms this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And so... When we talk about freedom, we, we know that freedom means to be free from, the, from external control, free from restraint, regulation, or power of another. I think we kind of understand the, uh, uh, the idea and the concept of freedom. Now, the Declaration of Independence stated that we were free from the rule of Great Britain. Now, Paul said, Christ has set us free. Set us free from what? Because to be set free, you have to be set free from something. Right? And so, uh, our country was set free from the rule of Great Britain. That's what our, that document says. And 
For us, what is it that we have been set free from that Paul is proclaiming that Jesus said as well? In John chapter 8, uh, verse 31 and, and subsequent, I'm not going to read the whole section, uh, Jesus is having a conversation with the Jewish folks. It says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then the invariable next question from them was this. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. Which I never understood that claim because they were slaves in Egypt. Anyway, how can you say that we shall be set free? So they're saying, basically they're asking the question we're asking this morning. Free from what? What are we being set free from? And in verse 34 through 36, Jesus replies, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So Jesus is saying, hey, you, will, you are going to be set free from sin, because he said everyone who sins is a slave to sin, and he's talking about that in the context of knowing the truth and being set free. So this morning I want to talk to you about freedom from sin, and what, in what ways did Jesus set us free from sin? The first thing we're going to look at this morning is we've been set free from the penalty of sin. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, if, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, these scriptures are all very familiar to you. He, and, and I hope you understand that all of us have sin in our life. Right? And this is what this Paul is saying here. Everybody has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. And then in chapter 6, verse 23, Paul says this. For the wages, or the penalty of sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Paul's saying, listen, all of us sin, and the penalty, or the wages, or the paycheck of that sin, is death. Now, we are all dying, right? I know, I know it sounds a little morbid on a holiday, right? But we all acknowledge the fact that we are aging and every day we live is closer to the expiration date. Yep. It, this is what we're talking about. All have sinned. The penalty of that sin is death. We're all paying that penalty uh, of sin. Now, we know the, the most, one of the most famous verses in Scripture, John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So what happens is, Jesus came and he paid the penalty for our sin, so that we don't have to experience death, we can experience eternal life. So we've been set free from the penalty of sin, because Christ paid that penalty. Amen? Amen. I think that as a Christian, we understand that the most. Like, hey, I, 
Christ paid the penalty of my sin. I, what, death will not hold me. Right? That's the blessed hope. We, I did a funeral a week or two ago, and that's our hope. Death will not hold me. The grave cannot have me. That I'm going to live forever with Christ. He's paid the penalty. We are free from the penalty of sin. The second thing that, uh, in way that we're free from sin is we are free from the power of sin. And this is where I want to spend a little bit more time. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, Paul said this, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. What is what is Paul talking about here? He's saying we're slaves to the ones we obey. Now, our thought life and our actions are controlled by external influences. I'm going to give you some real examples you can understand in order to help us figure this out. Uh, sugar, caffeine, smoking, alcohol, social media. These are some examples if you use any of those, I challenge you to try stopping immediately tomorrow. Cold turkey. You'll quickly discover what controls you. Right? Because if you're addicted to caffeine, maybe you drink a lot of coffee or sodas or whatnot, what will happen if you stop cold turkey? Everybody knows. Headaches, right? i got to have my coffee or I'm going to have a headache. Guess what? Coffee, caffeine is controlling you. Because you don't have a choice whether you drink it in the morning because you're going to suffer the consequences. So therefore, you drink coffee in the morning. How about sugar? I, I'm a sugar addict. It's terrible. Kids turn came to town and man, my, psh, I fell off the bandwagon. There's something sugary every night offered that I give the kids and that just fed right into me. I have to wean myself off of sugar, because if I just stop cold turkey, man, it's all I can think about. Every sweet you walk by, every grocery store, every smell of the bakery, you're like, I gotta have some of that. Like, it's controlling my actions. It's controlling my thought process. If any of you have ever drank or smoked and tried to just stop immediately, you know the effects of that. Social media is the, is the, uh, the uh, addict of today, Right? I know it's bad when in the morning, when the first thing I wake up, I grab my phone and start looking. I'm like, whoa, what is going on? Like, I have to wean myself and say, Steve, stop. That's controlling my behavior, my thought process. This is why Paul is arguing that you're a slave to the things you obey. And certainly, if you've tried to stop these things, you will recognize, man, I'm really a slave to this thing. And we know uh, slavery doesn't necessarily uh, mean our, our modern concept of slavery. It's whatever owns you and controls you. Whatever, whatever, something else that's determining what you say or do. That's what you're slaves to. Now, there are other influences in our life that are less obvious. In fact, the second half of Romans 7, 7, it says this, Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been 
for the law. And in Romans 3.20, he said, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And so what we learn is that the law was given so that we could become aware of the thoughts and the actions that were sinful. It's the reason that the law was given, so that we could distance ourselves. But there became a problem, right? In Romans 7, verses 8 through 11, it said this, But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive, apart from the law, but then the commandment came. Sin sprang to life, and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment, put me to death. Like, man, what is he talking about there? I mean, Paul articulates this very well, that that the law that God gave, which was good, which was given to help us understand and see our sins so we could move from it, that, that even though the law was good, sin actually came around and used it against us. Paul articulates the result of this a few verses later, verse 14 through 16. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I don't want to do, I agree that the law is good. Let's unpack that for for just a minute. Paul's talking about the struggle of keeping the law. You see, he says, hey, the law was given to show us sin, and then when we recognize that as sin and we try to, to, to fulfill the law and say, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore, we discover this wrestling with sin, this, this mastery that it has over us because we can't do it. Now, he argues here that the very, our very attempt to keep the law proves that we understand that the law is good. Right? Right? So when it says, hey, you shall not commit adultery, when we try to keep that law, we automatically are saying then that we believe that that law is good, not only for us, but for the people around us. So we're going to keep that law. But he's talking about the internal mastery of, of the cycle of wanting to do what's good and not being able to do it. You see, we... We are trying to make things right with God by doing good. I want to do right by God, so I'm going to try to keep all these rules and have God will be pleased with me. In fact, every religion in the, in the world focuses on this. Whether you have to do certain things, say certain things, eat certain things, act certain ways, observe certain rituals, and if you'll do these things, then God will be pleased with you. And then you'll be in his favor and you'll get heaven. Here's the problem. The focus is on the sin 
and your attempt and trying to atone for that sin in your life. Right? So now that you, you can't keep the command, let's, let's, pick, uh, let's pick one that's more, um, uh, more regular. Let's say the, um, you know, the do not envy. Right? So we know we have this envy in us. And God says, don't envy. And we say, yes, I agree that that's bad. I'm going to try not to envy. And then we find ourselves envying. And then we're upset. And so we're focusing on not envying. We're fo- and what happens is the realization that this, this trying to be right with God by not envying has our focus on the sin as we're trying to make it right. And in the end, this makes sin our master because it's driving our behavior. Paul continues uh, in verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Anyone ever been there in their life? Right? Inside, I want to do good. I want to do what's right. There's a desire for me to be pleasing to God. But right next to me, evil is there and stops me and prevents me from doing this. He says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I recognize that God's law is right and good and true and should be followed. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Do we recognize this in our lives? And we could make it as silly as something like, you know, caffeine or social media. But there are much more sinister things in our life that, dr- that drive our thought process and our behavior that keep us. Paul says this in verse 24, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? So he recognizes this common struggle of, uh, I want to do what's right, but sin is right there with me, this power of sin in my life, and it just keeps me in bondage. And the command, which meant to, came to help me to distance myself from that, actually now has my sin has seized the opportunity. Now my focus is on all that I can't get done right and my trying to please God through not doing this. I'm now a slave to that sin because it dominates my focus and my attention. Romans 8, 1 through 4. Therefore, this is key because he says, who is going to save this wretched man? He says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of of sin and death. The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Spirit, His own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met 
in us. Let me explain this. You see, Christ came and paid the penalty for your sin. Okay? Your past sin, your current sin, your future sin. He has, he has paid that for you. He has set you free from the penalty of sin. But by paying the sin, he has robbed sin of the power to be master over you because you no longer have to worry about making your sin right with God. You can now focus your life on living for God because your sin has already been paid for and atoned for. You don't have to focus on it and say, oh, I'm such a terrible person. I, I have to go say certain prayers. I got to go eat certain ways. I got to live a certain life to make this up to God. There's no making it up to God. You can't pay off an account that's already been paid. If you have a debt, and I pay off your entire debt, and then you go to make a payment, and they say, hey, listen, it's already been paid for. Like, well, can I give you this money anyway? Like, none of us would do that. What do you mean? It's already been paid off. It's paid off. Keep your money. So we, we are now free for our focus then to be on living for God and not worried about atoning for our sin. I hope that you're getting this because now we're free to focus on living instead of making up for our sins and therefore the power of sin in our life is broken because the power that sin has is the fact that now you're constantly focused on it, trying to make your sin right. And now you're consumed by the sin and not the life you have in Christ. Will you continue to sin? Yes. Should you continue to sin? No. We're going to talk about that next week. Today I want you to grasp, because very few Christians walk in this realm, to where you can actually leave your sin behind you and not let it affect your relationship with God. I've been there. You do something you're not supposed to do, you think something you're not supposed to think, you say something you're not supposed to say, and then when you sit down to do your devotion time with the Lord, it just dominates about how, oh my gosh, I'm such a terrible Christian. I don't know how, why God would even want to spend time with me. God, I'm so sorry. I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible more to make you happy. Right? We go through all of these things in our heart and our head. But the reason we're doing these things is because we feel bad for our sin and we're trying to pay God back. Sin has now been our master. It's sin that has controlled us and driving us. Our guilt, our sin, not our love and our relationship and our desire to be with God which is where life is found. If sin is driving your relationship, it's an unhealthy relationship. God has set you free from that power. When you sin, you can repent from it and say, that's, that's the sinful man in me. That's the sinful woman in me. God, I'm sorry for that. Help me to turn from that. And we turn and we, continue, we live for God. We are free to choose who we will obey. Some think that our freedom in Christ is to do whatever we want to do. I'm free in Christ. 
I can do whatever I want to do. But freedom to do whatever you want leads to being a slave to your own passions. Let me say that again. Freedom to do whatever you want leads to being a slave to your own passions. Then your own passions are dictating what you do and what you don't do. And in all honesty, my own passions have never led me anywhere good. Right? You know, in contrast to Elmer's, uh, I'm, I'm flipping my ear because I want to, and my want to wants to. Right? Like, like if you were here, that was his, his, his phrase, my want to wants to. Like, my want to, if that controls my want to's, I, I, I end up nowhere good. We are free. Listen, this is the point. You are free to live for God without worry about your sin. You are free to live for God without worrying, is what, I do, is what I'm doing sin? Is, am, am, I, am I eating the right things that God wants me to eat? Am I, am I drinking the right things God wants me to drink? Am I living in the right place? Am I working in the right place? Am I wearing the right clothes? Am I observing the right holidays? Am I singing the right songs? Am I attending the right church? Like All of these things that we think, oh, oh, God might, I don't, I don't want to make God angry by doing these things. You don't have to. That's the power. You, you're free. You're free to, to love God and to worship God and to serve God. You are right because of Jesus Christ. Move on. You're free to please God without restraint. God judges the heart. It's by faith. It's not by your actions. If you sin, God will be a good father. He'll knock on the door of your heart. He'll convict you and you'll get to move on. You take care of it then, but you can live life freely without all these worries, which is why Jesus was so hard after the Pharisees who were standing in the way because they were like, no, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to go this, you have to do that, you have to do this. And Paul writes, listen, if you're trusting in that to get to heaven, you've fallen from grace. And unfortunately, church, we sometimes fall into that ourselves. We feel like there's certain things we have to do, certain activities, certain holidays we have to observe, certain this, certain that, certain this. If we don't do that, and people support those thought processes on Facebook feeds and Instagram groups like, hey, this group here, if you're not doing this, if you're not this, that, this, you're going to hell. And oh my word, shut it all off. Fall in love with Jesus. That's what he wants He doesn't want us to be held by the letter of the law. He wants us to be drawn by a relationship with him. This is given to us to help us navigate that relationship and not go outside of the parameters of that relationship. We are free from the power of sin. Sin shall have no power over you because Christ has set you free. You are free to worship and to serve and to love God. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, we respond. Otherwise, love God. Lastly, we, are, we will be free from the presence of sin. In Revelation um, 21, verses 3 through 5, it says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these, for these words are trustworthy and true. God is making all things new and the presence of sin will be gone forever. So this is a freedom that he is purchasing, has purchased for us, but it's a future freedom that we will get to experience. We will no longer struggle with the power of sin. That's a day we all wish was here now, right? Unfortunately, we'll never realize that day until we either pass from this life and, and go to heaven with Christ, or he comes back and takes us all in a rapture. Uh, we'll experience this promise of freedom, the freedom from the presence of sin. So let me wrap this up this morning. Jesus Christ offers us freedom from sin. And just like our Declaration of Independence, He has declared you free. And He has purchased that freedom. And sometimes you need to fight for that freedom. Sometimes you need to rely, realize that freedom in your life and not live as a slave when God has made you free. Because that's possible too, right? This morning I want to remind you that that freedom involves freedom from the penalty of sin. That's a, that's a past tense one time the penalty is paid for. God doesn't have to continually pay for that penalty over and over and over and over again. He did it one time on the cross. And he, he, he took care of previous sins, current sins, future sins, forever and amen. You are, if you are a, a believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've received that gift, he has, he has paid the penalty for your sin. It's done. He didn't just pay for your penalty on the day you were saved. Now you have to make atonement for all the ones, subsequent ones afterwards. The penalty of your sin is paid. freed us from the power of sin which is this thought process of we have to make things right before God God I'm ashamed of what I did I have to carry the guilt of this I'm going to make it up to you I've, I've got to do more good than bad um, this focus on atoning and making our sins right it's impossible this is the power of sin on our lives that causes us to focus on our sin and not on the freedom we have in Christ and not the healings we have in Christ. We also have freedom from the presence of we will have freedom from the presence of sin in the future. We say that all of this is realized through faith. It's believing and trusting in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. There's no 
signed certificate that you can hang on your wall that on judgment day you're going to bring before you and say this so that you, you now have proof. This, this is your proof. It was written. Jesus said it. Other people witnessed it, wrote about it. And so by faith you believe, yes, that Jesus' Jesus' death on the cross, I believe and I trust that that is true. Paid that penalty for my sin. I don't have to worry about what God is going to do with that. It's a powerful thing once you get a, a hold of this. That all of your sin is paid for. Your sin yesterday, you know, maybe one of those vacationers here on the 4th of July weekend, all the memes going around Cape Cod, a fellow pastor of mine says, hey, I'm headed to the hardware store. If I'm not back by Sunday, send help. Like, you know, it's just, the Cape is crazy. And sometimes that's my, my nemesis. I can lose my patience. And I can say things and think things like, that I'm glad are not published on the screen behind me. God paid for that sin already. I can recognize it and say, that's not me, Lord. I want to live for you. And I can put it behind me without this feeling like I somehow have to make this grand amends and and do extra, extra chores for the Lord. Right? I mean, that's what I did growing up. When I got in trouble, I had to do extra chores, right? Make mom happy. You don't have to do extra chores for the Lord. You're free to live for him. We'll talk next week about the balance of that. But today, can we just be free? And I just want to, that's that's where I want to close this morning and give you time to reflect on and just, we'll pray. Because I find there are far too many Christians are under the power of sin. That sin has just dominated their mind. They're so, they all see their failures, their faults, their wrongs before God, feel this heavy sense of guilt before God, like, God, I'm so sorry, I'm such a terrible person. I can't, I can't do this right. I can't can't love my family the way I'm supposed to, this habit I have, I can't kick it, you know, and that, that tends to be our focus. And without realizing we're living under the power of sin. God says, I know that about you. I know you're broken. I know you have addictions. I know you can't get it right. I love you. I paid for that penalty already. Let's grow together. I want to help you get over that. I want to help you live a victorious life. I want to help you uh, love the people around you the way you're supposed to. Don't worry about all that stuff. I've paid for it already. The debt's paid. Let's focus on moving forward. Let's focus on growing. Let's, Let's take the freedom from the power of the sin so that we can be everything Christ called us to be. Amen? So I want to pray two things today. 
If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're online watching us, you are not free from the penalty of sin. When you die, you will not go to heaven. You will not live forever. Jesus was very clear that he is the only way to the Father. You may not like that. Sometimes I don't like the fact that gravity exists, but it's true. You can find freedom from the penalty of your sin by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and living from him from this day forward. The second thing, if you're here today and the sin in your life just dominates your thoughts and you've, you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know he's paid the penalty of your sin, but your sin is ever before you, one of two things is happening. You're not turning from it, meaning in your heart you still want to do it, and God is working you to that place, or more likely you, you recognize that, but you just are dominated by the fact that you're, of your failures. God wants to deliver you from the power of sin in your life and set you free so that you can focus on living for him instead of avoiding sin. So wherever you're at, as Sean plays, bow your, bow your heads. I'm going to pray, but just, just ask the Lord. This is all by faith. Lord, I believe this. I believe that you want me to live freely for you. I believe that you've paid the penalty for my sin. And just receive what he has for you today. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have in you. Scripture is very clear that you came to set us free. You came to set us free from, the, from sin. The penalty of sin, the power of sin, and eventually the presence of sin. And today, Lord, we receive the freedom that we have in you. Lord, if we're here today and we've never received you as our Lord and Savior, if we've never acknowledged our sin and said, man, I've been living my own way and it leads to nowhere good, I am a slave to the sin in my life. Christ comes to you, he offers you salvation, he offers you payment for that penalty. And Lord, we receive that penalty by faith. We thank you for the freedom we can have from that through your sacrifice. We ask you, Lord, to come into our life and live with us and teach us a different way. Would you be our Lord and our Savior, our director of our life? Lord, we thank you for your, your sacrifice that paid for that penalty. Lord, we ask today for a second prayer that you would deliver us from the power of sin, that we struggle with that inner turmoil, that we know that your law is good and we try not to do what we shouldn't do, but we can't seem to get over that. And Lord, just that constant tension in our lives. Lord, may our focus not be on the things that we have struggles not doing or doing. But Lord, help us that sin would not dominate us, but that you, freedom in you to live, to serve you, to please you, would, would dominate our minds and our hearts. Set us free, Lord, from the power of sin. 
Help us realize that you've paid the debt already. That the reason that we turn from it is so that we can live a life fully for you and for ourselves and for each other. Lord, and we look forward to the day where we'll be free from the presence of sin. thank you and we praise you this morning just for you and who you are we thank you for the freedoms that we have in you help us Lord to walk in those freedoms to realize those freedoms to encourage one another in those freedoms Lord I pray as we leave this place and we go and we we celebrate or we go, go with family or we go to work or wherever we have to do today, tomorrow that, Lord, your spirit would go with us and that you'd constantly remind us of the freedoms we have in you and help us to live that way and not, again, be yoked with slavery to sin. Lord, we love you and we praise you in your precious name. Amen.